This is a message from the emergency alert system. This is not a test. The following message is issued by the request of United States government. Our planet is under attack by an unknown extraterrestrial force. All attempts to stop this attack have failed. Radiation levels have reached lethal limits. Seek immediate underground shelter if possible. Remain inside until you received other instructions from government officials. This is not a test. Welcome to The Pattern is Full, a podcast exploring the unknown. We are your hosts, Dan and Dave. From past to future, we'll take you on a journey of discovery and surprise. Every episode, we'll uncover hidden patterns and extraordinary tales that will question what you know and challenge what you think you know. From ancient mysteries to cutting-edge science, get ready to explore the unknown. So join us as we dive deep into the depths of the metaphysical and unknown. Come along, and let's see what we can discover together. Did it only do four and then start? Maybe. It did five. Okay. Well, welcome to The Pattern is Full. I'm Dan. I'm Dave. And we have a special guest with us tonight. The name of Mark Griffin. He is a local librarian and a historian. I think you're a historian anyway. You filmed me uh, full of knowledge the other day. Um, so what we're going to do today is I think we're going to kind of skip our news story and stuff. Uh, Mark has... Uh, uh, he's uh, he's here to, to just tell us creepy crap about... Kentucky and Logan County, and um, you know, we told you all month we were going to do spooky, scary kind of stuff, and uh, we tried to find the scariest person we knew. Mark fit that category. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, go, what, what do you there. think, Dave? Tell, tell them something. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark is, a, he's definitely a scholar of, of so, all sorts of different um topics for sure he's also a podcast host and um uh what why don't you tell us a little bit about that mark well as uh as uh, david knows we both do a podcast together richard wilson called 30 plus minutes of hp lovecraft and it's started during the COVID era and um it was just kind of a way to uh just keep myself active and um, it kind of grew from that and um and just talk about things that have anything to do with Lovecraft, sometimes very remotely, you know, sometimes right dead on, but it's a, we pick a wide variety of topics. Like there's a, like this month, we've interviewed Ron Whitehead, uh, the outlaw poet, the official outlaw poet of the United States. Um, it was a good friend of Huntress Thompson. And we talk about Huntress Thompson and um, who was made the subject of at least three Lovecraftian type stories in one Lovecraftian movie. And so it's, we were, we were interested in like, you know, what made this person so fascinating, you know, that they'd be made into like, you know, like fighting, going against Cthulhu and stuff like that. And Richard Nixon. Right. 
So that was Bob. Well, was I will a, say, a uh, interview. Was, yes, it was a it was a good episode. It was a great interview. I still think your uh, my favorite is uh, probably still going to be the one where you interviewed uh, Doctor Gan Green. But uh, yeah, that. <laughs> That's just because as a child, I watched this guy all the time. So I uh, thought that was great. Mark is also, uh, you're you're an author, man. I mean, you put out um, Quake and um, I don't know. You probably write a lot yeah, of other a, stuff that I don't know about, too. Yeah, there's a there's the monthly zine I've been doing for about almost 30 years, um, Quake. And um, it's just a... Whatever I feel like, you know, doing that month to be like short stories, interviews. Uh, currently, this month I'm doing um, uh, weird tales that have some type of Kentucky relation to them. And um, this month is a story, a little old story that John Carpenter wrote when he attended Western College, and it got published in one of the little student magazines there. And so I picked that one up and reprinted it, and it's called Harlequin. And um, you think of Harlequin today, you think of like the Batman villain or whatever she is supposed to be today. But uh, it has something to do with her. And it's, it has almost like a Lovecraftian theme because it has to do with um, uh, an underwater creature. And so he had a, it was fun doing oh, that. Yeah. I've also authored three books. Uh, one is about the tobacco wars that happened here. And that was what got me really interested in like kind of the history in the area because I always hear these stories of the night riders ran this county, and I was always curious who these night riders were. And so I started delving into figuring out the history about them. And one's kind of a pictorial history book about um, Logan County, and some people said that I make Logan County more interesting than it deserves. Uh, but uh, I wanted to make something that you know that people who saw the book who didn't were not for Logan County would want to come here. But those who did live here would go like, I didn't know that. There would be something they would surprise people. And then um, the third book that got published is about um, Tom Ray, one of the big political figures in this area. Well, uh, the power behind the throwing is up. That's cool. Now go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just up. Gotcha. You know, uh, we have a football team here called Ray Stadium uh, that is uh, named in honor of him. So that was up. Uh, I was always kind of fascinated with him, and he was involved with the tobacco wars. And so after I did that research, I wanted to dig a little more deep into him. And uh, when you dig into that, you get into a lot about local county politics. So now there and was a short-lived, um, short-lived TV series, uh, I think on CMT maybe, um, called Tobacco Wars, about Logan County, Kentucky. Uh, you you weren't one of the screenwriters for that, were you? No, no. I people have asked me if I had involvement with that, but no, I didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, that was like some reality show about these about these farmers, you know, just being silly, basically what it was. And yeah, um, yeah. it didn't last very long. It was probably about like no more than five episodes, I believe. Yeah, I think only three actually aired. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, one of my um, first cousins was uh, one of the stars of that show. <laughs> uh, he had spent uh, several years in federal prison for flying marijuana and other drugs. Uh, he was a pilot, so uh, but he was also a tobacco farmer. So uh, yeah, but it was a 
I found the show a little bit silly, but I'm not a big fan of reality shows. So I'm just a good judge of them. And, uh, but, you know, uh, I know a lot of people in Logan County did not like the show. They, they thought it was kind of an embarrassment to them. But that's yeah. It. I would sort of uh, agree with that. So for, the, for those, I think I watched a few minutes of one episode, and it was it was pretty bad. Well, since I grew up where it uh, was originated out of, which was a Dareville, uh, Kentucky, uh, I knew everyone that was in the show, and I watched it to see how much reality was actually in it. And I would say it was fairly scripted, if you want my opinion. Heavily scripted. I was wondering how much uh, acting was going on in that. Yeah, because it didn't. And it was not. I was very wondering, good like these, if these not good acting. Because I'd, I'd often wonder, because it seemed like they were like they knew if cameras in front of them, and so they're behaving in, in such a way. And uh, that's the no, uh, one the thing that. Uh, I'm not sure all of our listeners know exactly where we're at. We've told where we're at. We're uh, we're in Logan County, Kentucky, and we're close to Hopkinsville, Clarksville, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, Like we're kind of right in the middle of all of those places. Uh, So Mark here, uh, as we said last week, are you the, the, uh, like the leader of the past finders. I know we, we brought up that you were doing that last, last week. I guess I'm the de facto leader now. Uh, David Gein had been the leader for a long time, but when COVID hit, he kind of like killed the organization. And uh, a lot of people were asking about it coming back and um, he had no interest in it anymore. And so I kind of like took it over after that. And so I've been, been getting the guests you know, who appear on there. And um, talking about different things, like uh, for in relation to this show, we had one about the Mantel plane crash that happened, and um, which is about the uh, Air National Guard unit from Louisville who came down to like hunt for UFO and and uh, end up end up crashing in Frankfort, Kentucky, at that happening. And we had like um, people from Frankfort talking about that, showing pictures, and I even had a piece of the metal of the plane that uh, that didn't get. They didn't get confiscated by the government, and so they still had that relic. And um, so that was interesting. And like uh, this month, we did a um, one about the connections that the movie uh, John Carpenter's Halloween has with this area. He made a lot of references to Bowling Green's. So this is where he grew up. Oh, and then there's also references to Russell. Uh, the Charlie Bowles of Russell, they mentioned the first Halloween as a real person. He was a. Uh, he ran a movie theater here, and um, him and John Carpenter did not get along at all. And so, basically, in that movie, he kind of implies he's going to be a mass murderer. And so, but and which is actually not too far from the truth because he was accused of killing um, his um his son-in-law. Well, hello, there's Princess Kaduhu and Kit Kaduhu. Or no, who's that? Not someone different now. He does. I see you. Hello. Anyway, but that's a, you know, it was a, the John Carpenter was always kind of fascinating me. And I was like, oh, and just so you guys know, if we get a little choppy or whatever, I keep getting a little note that pops up here that says, 
uh, not to worry that once everything's uploaded, the final recording won't be that way. So if we get a little choppy, apparently when this is all said and done, the recording will be good. Okay. It records you locally and then uploads that. So even if we're even if we're not catching you like we should, then it, you'll still be uh, the final product will be fine. Yeah. So, okay. One thing, Mark, when you do when we do finish this up, if you see your name over here mm -hmm. on the side, make sure that upload percentage mm -hmm. gets to a hundred percent before you kill your computer. So it gets all uploaded. Okay. Okay. Um Oh, well, anyway, so well, let's, 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 uh, it's recording. unless you got anything else, Dave, you want to let Mark jump into it? Yeah. Scare us to death, man. All righty. Well, I'll, I'll start off with the um, the Chamber of Commerce. Like, if you went to the Chamber of Commerce, that's for what ghost stories were. I'll start with those first. Uh, the most famous being the Sexton House. Yeah, that was uh, the girl that's uh, a two-story house. It's on the corner of Ninth and Nashville streets. And uh, a lot of people assume that the family's called the Sextons, but that was just the name of the, the profession that we call cemetery takers and uh, cemetery caretakers in, 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 in Kentucky. And he was a caretaker of Maple Grove Cemetery. And um, and the story goes like of, um, had, he had a daughter. No one knows who exactly the real person is, but they've always been nameless in the stories. And uh, she uh, she met a boy and she wanted to go to a picnic with him. And so that, uh, uh, she got really excited. So she got a nice dress and everything. It was getting ready for it. And also a rainstorm came down. And her mother told her that uh, you can't go. You're going to ruin your dress. And she got angry. She went upstairs to her room, went to a window and says, like, I hate you, God. Then lightning comes down, strikes her dead. And some of the more modern retellings, they say their head exploded, you know, so they had to, had to get more gruesome and everything. And uh, she falls down dead, and, uh, and but but her image remained on the glass. And uh, people was, would stop by and see her image on the glass there and admire it. And uh, the parents decided to re to replace the glass. And after they did that, it, the image returned. And so they decided to paint over the glass, and the image would still be there. It was almost like it was a shadow. And people kept showing up, and they got to so they started boarding it, covering it up with wood. And that image is supposed to be still seen to this day. I must confess, I've never seen the image, and except for the fake one they put up by the by the city now. But that's about the yeah. That's I, one I of our most famous stories sure. that we have. Yeah, but that was our. That's one of our most that's, famous. That's pretty cool. Most famous you one knew is a the lot Bell more. I was just going to say you had a lot more history on the Sexton House than we did last week. Right, David? Yeah. You had a few more details that we left out. So, Anyway, yeah. carry on. I didn't mean uh, to interrupt. I've been inside the Sexton House. I've been inside the Sexton House and got to see it and what it looks like. Uh, one of the other famous ghost legends here is actually nearby Adams, Tennessee, the Bell Witch. And according to that, from 1870 to 1821, the Bell family and local area was uh, mostly a, attacked by an invisible spirit that was able to speak to people. And a lot of times would do some shape-shifting and would do physical attacks on people, like would slap the, the youngest of the Bell family, Betsy Bell. 
and would torment the the head of the household, John Bell. And uh, these legends, and she kept just doing this up until she died, I mean, up until John Bell died. And um, but the stories about her they kept being told. And then um, uh, they, the first known mention of them written in newspapers was in the 1850s. Uh, they, but they called her the, the Bell's Ghost at that time period. Uh, it wasn't until 1894 uh, that Martin V. Ingram published The Authentic History of the Bell Witch. And it was, uh, that was what made the Bell Witch, you know, the household name. Today. She became quite famous um, after that. And, uh, but she didn't stay strictly in Adams. There are a whole bunch of stories about her being in Todd County, you know, going over across the state line. And she's supposed to have haunted the stagecoach inn over there. And there's a mill uh, on the Elk Fork Creek that she would turn on the machinery in the basement. And she even set fire to a machine, to another feed mill there. And uh, she's supposed to have haunted Dr. Hank Bell and his sister Martha, who were descendants of John Bell. Uh, Martha says she didn't like those visits and almost died in a car accident near a bridge because of the Bell Witch. And uh, while on the subject of the Bell Witch, oh yeah, there's supposed to be three curses uh, that the Bell Witch uh, was given to Guthrie. And uh, the first one was a mill that caught on fire, but no one has ever said what the other two were of the, of the curses. And while on the subject of Adams, Tennessee, there was another creature that roamed Robertson County, Tennessee called the Car Creek Critter. It's been described as a roaming hyena, a mountain lion, a marsupial wolf, or a large bobcat. It would chase the livestock of farmers. It roared like a wildcat or panther. Um, Buck Evans, who was a pig farmer there, said his pigs were too terrified to eat. Civil defense men went searching in the creek for it one night. Two of them swore something passed them and jumped into the water. Uh, two dogs and a calf belonging to other farmers were killed. And this happened from June to September of 1966. And after that, the Car Creek Critter disappeared. Uh, but it still fascinates a lot of people. And uh, this goes on kind of more, not, not so supernatural, but kind of more of conspiracy theories. Jesse James and his gang robbed the Nimron Long Bank in Logan County in March of 20th, 1868. Uh, George Shepard was arrested for the crime, and his and his cousin Ollie Shepard was what was called assassinated, assassinated according to his tombstone. Uh, conspiracy theories say that Jesse James was a member of the Knights of the Golden Circle, a secret society started in Lexington on July fourth, eighteen fifty four, and after the Civil War became dedicated to restoring the Confederacy. James was robbing banks to provide funding for the cause. James and others would bury money and gold across the Southwest and left signs on how to find them. Um, it's there are rumors that about a hill on Franklin Road where he's believed to have buried money after that robbery. One man found a carved rock with the letters JJ on his property, and it's believed this cue to the treasure. There's no indication where they actually found the treasure or not. Uh, story goes that there were two Jesse Jameses that actually existed. They both robbed banks the same time period, which explains how the bandit was seen to be everywhere when it came to robbing banks. Uh, after one of them died in 1882, the other one was on his own. He would be, become the one known called J. Frank Dalton. And uh, another member of the Knights of the Golden Circle was John Wilkes Booth, uh, the same one who assassinated uh, Abraham Lincoln, except he didn't die April of 1865. 
He became heavily involved with the secret society, traveling to other countries, and work of J. Frank Dalton in Gainesbury, Texas. Booth's fate is a mystery. He may have gone on by, by the name of David E. George. He committed suicide January 14, 1903 in Oklahoma, and his secret might have gone to his grave if not for a friend of his, K.L. Bates, who publicized that he had been the assassin. Another version goes that Dalton poisoned George for breaking his oath to the Golden Circle. His mummified body was rented out to carnivals and sideshows. A third account says Booth traveled to Tennessee, becoming John W. Burks. He married a woman and fathered a child. After dying in 1871, Booth would be buried in an unmarked grave in Erin, Tennessee, which is not far from Clarksville. My father is from Erin. He grew up hearing the legends about John Wilkes Booth living there. And we even took a trip to the cemetery to see what it would be like. We never could find any indication where he may have been. Uh, the son, Clay Kerr, did not learn the truth of his father until he found an autographed photo of Booth dated December 20th, 1867. And those are kind of like the um, kind of like the better known stories that we have in Logan County. Hey, uh, uh, some of the. Um, just a quick question. Did you ever hear anything about um, Jesse James um, making carvings in Savage Cave in Adairville? Uh, there are legends of him being in several caves. He's supposed to have hid out there. I don't know of any car. I haven't heard about any carvings, but he's supposed to have hid out there at one point. And uh, there's uh, also a, a cave kid, um, close to Springfield. He, he's okay. I just wondered about that. Uh, as a kid, we would go down to Savage Cave. It was within walking distance of where I lived, and uh, even though the federal government had kind of taken it over to raise mushrooms in or something, we could squeeze around the fence and get in it. And I never saw any carvings, but I always heard they were in there. So just writing on the wall or something is what we were always told. Did they ever say what it was? You know, like, like you know, Jesse James was here or, you know, something like that? Yeah, that, that's all I really know is they said he wrote. No, I mean, the, the, the story I heard as a kid was it was, uh, you know, directions to where he hid some money. And I'm sure that was just a local legend to keep uh -huh. everybody, um, I don't know, interested in the story or something. Yeah, well, yeah. He did have family in the Daryville area, uh, the Hyde family, and he he was known to hide out there. In fact, um, two of his cousins uh, from the Hyde family joined his gang, and um, one of them was one of them died and. and after being released from prison and he's buried. He's the only known member of, of the just James gang, you know, buried in Logan County. And that's Clarence Height. And uh, Wood Heights being the other uh, cousin. Wood Heights. Uh, he was on the board and um, buried in some unmarked grave, not exactly known where he's buried, but he's not buried in Kentucky, but probably somewhere in Missouri where he was, where he was murdered. Anyway, if you want me to go on, I can continue yeah, on with some of the ahead. other I'm sorry. stories. I'm that was on my mind, and I wanted to yeah. ask it. I uh, know I, I was curious about that. I'm glad you said that. Uh, one of the one of my favorite ghost stories is about the ghost train. Uh, in the community of Oakville, south of Russellville, you will find the Beecham Road, also known as the Four Mile Stretch. Uh, before it was paved, it, be, it was known as the railway for the Daryville Dinky, a train that traveled between Russellville and Daryville, with a few stops in between. Uh, one night, we witnessed to the ghost train who uh, we'll call Angie, 
since she encountered the ghost life for, for as a child. And she talked about how, like, you know, one evening type group of teenagers and adults will have come back from a moonlight party from the school. And they're walking down the train tracks. And someone yelled that the train was coming. And they thought it was running awfully late because they could see the light. And so they stepped off the tracks. And, um, uh, and the light got closer and closer. All of a sudden, it started going up into the air and then exploded like a Roman candle. And sparks falling over the tombstones. And uh, she told everybody about seeing the ghost train the next day at church, but no one believed her. And everyone who had seen it referred to, refused to confirm her story. And, and after a point, she thought she was making it up. But she claims that she saw it again a few years later while walking down the tracks. And uh, there are some people who've also made claims about seeing the ghost train. And a lot of people will, will drive down the road and um, they'll say something like, you know, I don't believe in the ghost train. And all of a sudden a light will appear behind them um, while they're driving. Uh, there are people in the one of the old train stops is called Mortimer Station for the for there. And the people who live around that area of Mortimer Station claim that they hear the sounds of a train running at nighttime. And uh, one area in Logan County seems to be heavily uh, saturated with ghost stories is Shaco. Uh, it's in the southern part of the county. Uh, many people think it's an old Indian word, but it actually comes from the Bible. It was from a camp where David met Goliath. And, of course, things didn't turn out well for the giant. Uh, Shaco was a site of what was called the Second Great Awakening. It had a big re- religious revival, and they have an old log cabin church there. And there's a Bible inside of there. And if you go inside and like flip pages through that Bible, uh, the pages will flip back to where it was originally was. And on the, there's also a, a house called Flint Ridge close to Shaco. Uh, it dates back to the New Madrid earthquake back in 1811, because it has a crack um, in its wall from that. And it was built by the Baylor family. And uh, Mrs. Baylor, even though she moved away, her ghost loved the place. And after she died, she came back and haunted the, um, the old Flint Ridge. She was sometimes referred to as the Lady in White. And um, she seems to have loved the children, but she would chastise them for telling fibs. Uh, she would, like, move the furniture around the house. And um, she would move around, and the McCuddy family, who was living at the time, would start carrying a revolver because he thought something was breaking into the house. And they didn't find anything, and um, but they they still kept hearing things at nighttime. And let's see, they searched and they could not find anything for intruders. Uh, still, the noise continued. And then after a point, uh, sound like it's like. You know, things are all, you know, they tried, they, they nailed down the furniture at one point. And, uh, and that would be start being up, uprooted and be moved around regardless whether it was nailed down or not. And, uh, and so that was one of the famous stories. She's not the only lady in white that's ever appeared in, um, in our history. Uh, at the Homer Cemetery, which is in the north part of our county, uh, a, a woman in white blonde hair with her wind blowing in the wind would appear at the grave of a soldier. Um, she is seen with a sketch pad and would be drawing. And a second woman in white would be at Harmony Hall, which is on the Clarksville Road, uh, not too far from the old Ed's Barbecue building. And it was built by the Tully family, who are big into the music uh, in the area. 
uh, and raising fine horses. And during the Civil War, um, some soldiers try to confiscate their horses because they're also known for their horse raising. And so they hid their horses in a nearby cave. And they also hid their furniture, a lot of their silver from the soldiers as well. Uh, the Confederate soldiers were very upset about like what was uh, not being able to find the horses, so they burned um, the tablecloth off a table and threatened more damaged. Holly's um, wife was pregnant at the time, and they locked her up in the veranda. And um, she would come, and um, uh, but they escaped by hurrying, uh, climbing down the veranda. And uh, it's I'm trying to get the point. Oh yeah, it was also used as a hospital during the Civil War. And there'd be blood stains on the hardware floor. And so there'd be a lot of appearances of like, you know, like Confederate soldiers appearing uh, during that period. Uh, one kid got sick and a woman in white was started appearing over that and taking care of the kid, uh, making sure the kid stayed in good health. Hmm. And then uh, we also have our Bigfoot in, um, in Logan County. They've been spotted in Spa, also called the Monster of Antioch. It was known for attacking farmers' cattle. Uh, Bigfoot's been spotted at least twice in Hollow Bill. Um, and then also in Lewisburg and also near Russell on the Gas and also in the Gasper River near Auburn. And been spotted in other places nearby, like Mammoth Cave and Land Between the Lakes, which has the famous beast of LBL. Uh, the residents of Beachland talked about having the ghost lights that appear there. In my area where I live, people talk about a panther appearing uh, in front of people's cars. I've never seen the panther. And uh, at the Arnold Cemetery in Lewisburg, people talk about a mechanical bird that would watch over the grave of Ella Sylvie. And uh, I've been to the cemetery trying to find it, and I never could find the mechanical bird they were talking about. Uh, the Diamond Springs area had a witch house. I've yet to find much else about what this witch house was. Uh, a cave near Mossy Hill, there was a, you could hear a man playing a violin. Uh, legend has it that he went to the cave and was playing the violin for the acoustics. And uh, even though you can still hear him playing to this day, you cannot find him. And uh, one newspaper report that I found in the October 10th, 1902, Harold Ledger uh, was Tom Asa Long ran over creation by a ghost one night last week uh, from Cave Springs. A monkey-faced owl was spotted in a Daraville in 1911. And there are legends that Miss Carrico's ghost haunts Stevenson Elementary School. Uh, since both of y'all have some affiliation with the school, you ever heard anything about Miss Carrico's ghost? Uh, say that one more time, uh -huh. Mark. We missed you. Yeah. Uh, Miss Carrico's ghost is supposed to haunt Stevenson Elementary School. I was wondering if y'all had ever heard any legends about that. Uh, I, I have not heard that legend, but um, in the preschool wing of that school, we have had some um, so-called uh what we consider to be hauntings uh we uh had a classroom pretty much destroyed uh i got a call that um 
that they thought someone had broke into the school and tore this classroom up. Uh, we ended up going back and looking at cameras, and the only thing we could see in the hallway was birds. Had birds had got in the building. So we assumed that the birds got into that classroom and destroyed it. Uh, we also, um, during COVID, I had one of my guys that worked for me uh, doing after hours spraying uh, with electro uh, magnetic sprayers, electro whatever they're called. There was there was a sprayer was supposed to kill COVID within you know three seconds or something, and um, he was in this same classroom that supposedly the bird had the issue with it got destroyed, and um, he said the bathroom. Uh, being preschool they ha or kindergarten classrooms have bathrooms in them. Uh, he said the doors kept slamming in the bathroom and the lights would go on and off. And he literally looked at me and said, I ain't spraying that room no more, man. And you remember me talking <laughs> about this, right, Dave? Yeah. I do, so, yeah. There is some... Um, Activity, I guess, that has been known in that school. So, uh -huh. kind of cool. I said that the, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, the Plainview Church is supposed to have some ghost sightings there. I haven't heard anything more about that. Uh, the rattlesnakes in the Buena Vista area have, have gone like the mythical proportions. Buena Vista was an old hotel and uh, kind of like a spa. And they say that the rattlesnakes there were the, were the size of stovepipes. Yeah. And uh, oh. it was an L. Don Hildebrandt was working at the patch near the old hotel. He ran over one of the giant rattlesnakes with his tractor, killing it. Uh, L. Don counted the rings on the tail and stopped at 11. He noticed a curious pathway and followed it and suddenly stopped when he heard a whole uh, nest of those mammoth rattlesnakes underneath some brush. He returned to his home, planted a for sale sign, and planted in front of his house and never returned to his property after I, that. Yeah. That was a, uh, another strange creature that haunts the land of Logan is the headless woman of Ferguson. Ferguson was a community once thriving that was close to Olmsted. Uh, no one knows what happened to her head or why she lost it. At least no one's willing to confess why. Her home appeared uh, to be at a cave near a creek, which may be her final resting place. Sometimes she would walk the bridge over the creek and wait for a certain horse-drawn carriage to pass over. If a seat was vacant, she would ride in it. Many men gathered one night at Alonzo's general store in Ferguson, telling their encounters with the headless woman. They spooked themselves so much that they were fearful to leave the store after that. And probably one of the most bizarre creatures I've ever come across are the ghost legs. That walked the grounds of Hampton Park in Russellville. Uh, people in their twenties swear they've heard of them all their uh -huh. lives. Anyone who's walked the park at night would be followed by ghost legs. The ghosts would start walking faster, and the person would start running. As soon as they reached the end of the property, the ghost legs would stop and turn around. No one would admit what would happen if the ghost legs reached you, but once a dead body was found at the park, so you know, go figure there. Uh, and this was a recent discovery, and I'm surprised that I haven't heard more about it until now. It was the Gladwell ghost who haunted the, the home of Samuel Houston Gladwell and his family from March to April 1886, which is near Shakertown. 
the people would see this apparition. Furniture, people would come over to see this apparition. Furniture removed. Strange noises would come from unoccupied room. Mysterious rancid ice-cold water would be doused on people from the ceiling inside the mansion. A pale bluish light appeared before the Gladwell, causing him to fall unconscious. When he awoke, a wet handkerchief of blood-red color was on him, and it was made of the finest fabrics. The letter M had been sewed on the black silk of it, and the Gladwell was stiff and too weak to rise up to take care of it, and the gun he had in his hand has disappeared, and no one knew where this handkerchief came from. Uh, there was one salesperson in um, Auburn who claimed, you know, that that was, I sold that, but he later confessed that he just said that just show my business to his place. The Gladwell family moved to another home, but the ghost still followed them. There's four theories of as to what created the Gladwell ghost. He was a man who drowned and had been buried in a spot where the Gladwells had turned into a garden. And the spirit of the drowned man did not appreciate being disturbed. The second version goes, the go- he's the ghost of Solomon Rankin. He was a shaker who promised Sam Glidewell that he would come back to prove that the afterlife did exist. The third one is the girl committed suicide in the mansion before the Gladwells moved in, and she chose to haunt them. The fourth is that one of the Gladwell's daughters was pulling these pranks on the public, such as learning how to throw her voice and finding ways to pour water on unsuspecting people. I do have to say that of all the hauntings I've ever heard of, throwing water on people is probably one of the most unusual ones I've ever come across. Yeah. And uh, uh, one interesting bit of note about this is that Sam Gladwell is originally from Robertson County, the same area of the Bell Witch. And I often wonder, are the two related? Um, his grandson donated a two-story cabin at the Western Kentucky University, uh, which is still on this campus to this day. And I have been very curious, you know, if, like, if that could be the Gladwell Mansion you know, that, that was haunted by the ghosts. And uh, this was a story that appeared in a uh, October 2011 Kentucky Explorer magazine, but it ran much older, at least appeared in 1896. And it's one of those really bizarre stories that I've never heard of before. But it took place in the Dot area. It was about a stone church built by immigrants from a busy and burdened east. I always love that description. And they would, during a religious service there, a, a low rumbling sound began, and the church quivered and rocked. The worshippers fled, and then all the vegetation died, including the trees. The church sank into the ground. And then, like, uh, the writer who wrote this account uh, went to explore this Deadlands area. He went, actually went into the church, which is still standing, and witnessed, like, a, a, a ritual of these, like, hooded figures coming around and worshipping, and they, they, was, they were all skeletal in their form. And then we have the airship sightings all across the United States starting April 1st, 1897 in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, uh, airship sightings have started being reported. People are like claiming to see like, you know, uh, most of the time at nighttime, some of the lights in the sky it may look like some type of like, you know, ship was moving around. And this is way before the invention of the airplane. And sightings were recorded in, the, in this area, Russville, Adairville, Elkton, Allensville, Clarksville. And just to add a little bit more confusion to the matter, in Nashville for the centennial, Professor Arthur Wallace Bernard demonstrated an airship to the public. It was basically a bicycle-like frame connected to a cigar-shaped balloon. He drifted in the air 20 miles west of the city before landing. One of the more famous accounts about the airship was in Aurora, Texas. 
And that's when it crashed on August 7th, 1897, 17th, 1897. The pilot was dead and described as not inhabited of this world. Uh, some people said he came from Mars. Uh, the body was given a funeral, but no one knows to this day where this body was buried. So it's been kind of the mystery of where, the, where these alien buried in Aurora, Texas. One of my favorite um, I'd like to talk about is the uh, the zombies uh, that appeared during election time in Logan County. You know, during every no- every election season, the the dead would rise up from the grave and start voting in elections. And we, we were known for our dead voting, and uh, Doc Beecham was one of our champions. Uh, was asked why did he allow that to happen, and um, he gave a very very good response. Uh, uh, let's see. Where is it, Doctor? Hold on one minute. Oh, yeah, here we go. They were all good Democrats who would just like to keep on voting for their friends, if they could have. We were just carrying on their wishes, and if we if we had died first, they would have done the same for us. That was, man. That's an actual quote from uh, Doc Beecham. Uh, about the about the dead voting in the, in Logan that's County, yeah. and so uh, that's a kind of a list of what I'll have for um some of the stuff. Uh, uh, any follow ups or remarks you'd like to make? About anything? Yeah, I would because you touched on some things that um I, I had forgot about uh, the the Chaco, um, you know, being basically I grew up in that area. I had heard that story about the um, the Bible turning. If you change the page, it would go back. I had heard that. Uh, what was the name of that? Uh, where that was at? That was at that church. Uh, the, you know, the Red River Meeting House. Yes. They call yes. it. I had it always log heard cabin. Um, I, I'd never done that. But one thing that we had done... As a teenager on a uh, random board weekend night is go down to four mile stretch and um, run up and down it in cars and try to find the, the light from the ghost train. And it made for some like very interesting times. And I will tell you that there is a certain spot on that road. Um, that you can get on. And I swear to you, it looks just like a train light. Uh, and I'm sure it's just a, a, a light, but it's right before you get into the Mortimer area, uh, where you see that. And it looks exactly like a train light. And, um, I mean, when I was in high school, we would load up cars. And if we didn't have anything to do, that's what we did. We'd go out the four mile stretch and run up and down it literally almost all night, uh, screaming about the train coming. <laughs> so I, I didn't actually, until you just told that story, I had no idea that it was an actual true story. I thought it was just something you know, like that somebody had made up and there was you know no history to it or anything. So that was very interesting to find that out. Oh yeah, it's a, the the Birdie Mate Angel is the one who's a big like teller of that story. 
and um, she lived right on that road. And so it's like, and she like, she just, she swore, you know, to her dying day, you know, that there was a ghost train there. And so she, uh, I knew a lot I, of there was one time I rode, I drove on that felt road. The same and, way. Um, I saw this sight. Yeah, there was a one time I, I drove on there and the light appeared. It was like this, this single train looking light just appeared while I was driving and I got freaked out by it. And I was like, yes. oh, that can't be the ghost train, can it? And I kept on going and I kept on going. Yes. And then, like, one point, you know, where the road starts curving just a little bit, there's this house there. And they set up a lamp there. And that lamp was just the right spot for being like a train light and all that. And I'm just like, Warren, did they do that on purpose or was that something completely accidental? So I've always, always wondered about yeah. that. But that was a. That's really that, that cool. Mortimer uh, area. I, one of the other That's things really I had heard about being younger is uh, the panther, the black panther appearing uh, in the woods. Uh, and it was more in the dot area. Uh, but um, when I was older, I mean, when I was younger, you know, you got to think this was, I don't know, early 80s. Um, my grandmother and all of them, they would load up the car to go to church every some, Sunday. And the church was, and, and it was like they picked up every senior citizen in Adairville to go and ride with us because nobody had cars or they didn't drive anymore or whatever. And on the way there, and I cannot for the life of me remember, that, remember this lady's name, but she would always, at least once a year, swear, there's that panther right there. And we would stop at the road and stare at these woods. I never saw it personally, but she would do it almost yearly. She would do that. So... <laughs> Who am I to say she didn't actually see the Panther? So, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Maybe pretty interesting in stuff. Force me at the church or something. What do you think, Davo? You got anything on that? Yeah, there's a. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been distracted by some antics going on here with the children and I didn't I just I'm amazed at how much um, variety of stories and uh, anecdotes that Mark knows yes. about this local area so most of the, a lot of that I've never heard so, so that's Mark yeah. are you mainly a skeptic or are you a believer a, or, or what are you in the supernatural and uh, the conspiracy theory world I'm I'm going to take the view of like Linwood Montel Wood, who was like a, a famous folklorist in the area. He says like I don't disbelieve. You know, he was um uh, he was one of those people. He like he wanted to collect these stories, but at the same time, he didn't want to like belittle these people and like you know scoff at what they say. And says like that's not real. So he kind of like you know wanted to take like you know, he wanted to be genuinely interested in them and try to be sincere as possible. And um, that's that's the role I take. You know, is that I want to collect these stories. And I want well, to collect like, how they tell it. Yeah. I don't want to put my input in it. I don't want like, to taint it. You know, I don't want to slant it, you know, saying it was like, you know, this stupid person believed this or like, you know, like, or like embellish it and make it more than what it is. Uh, you know, I, I, I right. want them because I, I find these stories 
fascinating. And, um, you know, and like if, whether you believe in them or not, you know, they're still quite fun to listen to. Um, Arthur C. Clarke was a great yeah. skeptic of everything. He says, like, you know, what's the world without a good ghost story? Oh, of course. I know. So, you know, it's a, we, we enjoy this stuff. They resonate with us, you know, something very deeply. Uh, you know, it's like whether you're a believer or not, you know, you still like still can't help but enjoy a good ghost story. Uh, Absolutely, like, the good people like going back to Lovecraft. You know, he was he was a skeptic. Oh, really? Without the delay here, what were you saying, Daniel? Uh, I just said I, I anyway, can't but believe Lovecraft he was, was a skeptic, and so a lot of times he wrote these stories that kind of. Uh, he made a uh, Lovecraft made up um, stories that would be terrifying to him, so he had to make them acceptable and believable to what he was like. You know would, what he, what he would accept, and you know, and to him, like cosmic beings, you know, coming down and like uh, not necessarily like doing terrible things to us, but they doesn't really care what they do to us. You know, they're almost we're like ants to them, and they're doing something that's like you know beyond our comprehension, right? And we're just like you know. We're just in the middle of it, of of in, in consequences to them. Gotcha. And so that's a going back to my podcast of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta plug it, man. <laughs> um, I really found that, um, and I think you yeah. told me at the at the uh, comic book show about the airships, and I really found that um, quite interesting. I've actually done a little research on that. That's that's really, uh, really cool. That that. I mean, I, yeah. The, who knows what it could be? That airship craze. That early on. Yeah, the airship craze of eighteen ninety seven. It's like one of those things. I'm just absolutely hard to believe. You know, we don't talk about still to this day. You know that it's one of those like really wild moments in history. You know where. There are all these different sightings, you know, that were going on. And uh, there were a lot more in Kentucky. I actually sent them. To, there was some in Owensboro and Paducah. And I contacted some of my friends who big into his history as well, see if they could find anything else more about it. I would like to know if there's any, like, some someone wrote a letter or a diary, you know, making reference to it as well. Some other accounts. Most of it just comes strictly from newspapers. And, um, and that uh, a lot of them got dismissed because they said it was just newspapers just capitalizing on a craze, you know, just wanting to, like, you know, like sell more papers just by saying there was an airship sighting. And, um, but uh, the one in, um, the one in Texas is, uh, is very fascinating to me. And I would, I would like to study that one more as well, especially as supposed to be an alleged dead body there of an alien. And, and they're, they're like pilgrimages that you go know, on I there. Think I think they have like a festival there, very correctly, you know, every year for that. What I think is 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 to have to put yourself in that place and time to think about it because news did not travel like it does today. I mean, by the time a newspaper printed it, it was I don't know a week old or older. Uh, where today we get that news instantaneously 
Yeah, with, uh, we don't have like we don't have that quite like we used to. I mean, like you know, today you know news yeah. is like you know right now, you know. But in that that era, you know, the telegraph did help spread the news a little bit. You know, like in you know you maybe will get like um what's something happened in Texas. You know, you hear about two days later in Kentucky. You know, so you get like a you may get like two day old news, but it'll be new to you. But they didn't care then. You know, they weren't quite as you know like. You know, I guess anal about news that we are like today had like like no right now what's going on. And but there was a uh, there was a windmill that got destroyed um, by the alien ship as well, and um, there was like a, one skeptic of that said that that the farmer who claimed that happened that he didn't ever had a windmill. And then I think later on, it was later proven through deeds and records that he actually did have one. So there's like, is some truth, you know, that he did have some, a windmill. Whether it got destroyed by aliens or not, it's a whole different matter there, but he did at least have one. Man, that that's awesome. I, but, I, I uh, think uh, you got some, you, yeah. some great stuff. And, and, you know, I like that you've got so much detail about it. I mean, I, um, Sometimes don't put in as much research as I should about some things. Uh. Well, the the details are what make it for me. You know, those, the little things, you know, that, that they get mentioned uh, almost help to sell the story a lot better uh, to make it a little bit more real. And I think the, uh, so I, I always like strive to get more of the details. Well, um, Dave, you got anything else, man? Or you wanna I I was just gonna ask um Mark what I what do you what is of those those things those um different stories that you mentioned, um what is the most contemporary? And I, I haven't you know, the, most of the ghost stories or the the sightings, the hauntings are from something that happened you know, way beyond our current memory or the memory of our parents or whatever. It's usually from a hundred years ago or more. Um, what, what was maybe the most contemporary of those? I would say the ghost legs is probably the most contemporary. That seems to be like something's like more modern. Um, Cause it's not like a story that I've ever, ever heard mentioned before anywhere else. And it seems like it's more of a modern group that's talking about encountering this. I never heard like any old man, you know, tumble like you know, like about the old ghost legs or anything like that. And it seemed like a at the time it was kind of people, <laughs> people in the thirty about it. And, um, that story. Definitely one of the most bizarre ones, and I've yeah, it's like, but I the person who told it to me told it very sincerely. I mean, he believed it. He believed the story and everything. And, um, it's, it's that's like, good. Uh, that's one reason why I, like I decided that. to collect it down. They're not saying no, who's. They don't very, know whose legs are supposed to be. No, there's like no one ever says who they're supposed to be. And no one says. Mamie Van Doren, perhaps. Just, you know, I, John Voigt. Like a, maybe it was that dead body that they found at one time. You know, he's going around. John Voigt's legs. <laughs> Gary Busey. Buttered sausage. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
market. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, we, we need some modern, we need some current. Um, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to get it unless we just make it up, but we need, we need some current uh, ghost stories, some hauntings, some paranormal activity. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, something we can actually go to and you know see. Know anything that, about but, the um, Octagon House in Franklin? You know, you get like. Uh, a little bit. Um, I've been there a few times, and I know it was like s several ghosts, you know, have appeared there. It's a very unusual house, I have to say. And um, I'm always kind of skeptical of like, you know, people who are supposed to be ghost hunters. You know, I uh, I always like to hear more of the stories of people like who've actually been in the house. You know, I like to hear their stories as opposed to like, you know, what ghost hunters report. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, you know, the ghost owners are trying to sell you, you know, because they got to justify their existence, you know, and so they're, they're probably going to tell you they saw some ghosts there. So I've, uh, I've I try to take them with a grain of salt, uh, especially a lot of like the reality shows I've seen with ghost hunters. It seems like, you know, they just kind of like, you know, distort things or sensationalize. Um, I have a hard time watching those programs. Because I don't, and so I, I like to hear more about the stories of the people who actually live there, and what they've encountered. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think there was like a soldier's ghost there, and maybe like a little girl as well. It's been a while since I've looked into it, so I can't remember everything it was. But, uh, there was a lot of civil war activity, and the, saw that they're hosting something this month there. Have you seen anything about that? Um, no, I haven't it's heard anything. Like, uh, of course, I usually get like, I usually don't hear about a lot of this stuff until after it happened. Um, I don't know. It's like a, they were hosting a dinner and I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I just saw some friends that went to something there recently, and it, I don't know, it was like a history of the house and uh, a meal and kind of like a little tour into the supposed haunted stuff of the, the house. Um, but I, I don't know the details on it. I'm trying to look it up now. My, it's going a little bit slow trying to build it up, um, but it's um, it is a very interesting house. I mean, it's like it's a little bit to his name. It's an octagon-shaped house. Uh, I've never seen another house quite like that here in this area. Um, you know, I will say that uh, your and, your um, it's, stuff about The little lag messes us up, I think. Uh, but I went down to, uh, we were in Pigeon Forge uh, back in the spring, and we went to a, um, I don't know, it's like a museum thing down there. I can't think of the name of it right off the top of my head. Um, but inside there, they had a whole Bigfoot section. And, um, 
there was a huge map of Kentucky in there. And if you clicked on it, Logan County was ate up with uh, Bigfoot stories on this map. Lewisburg uh, was the main area, Spa Lakes, areas like that. Uh, and you could actually click on the little parts of this interactive map and it would uh, pop up the story that happened in that area about a big Bigfoot spot. And I think the latest hmm. one that I saw or the most recent would have been like 1993. Um, and there was damage to someone's mobile home there uh, down close, closer to the Todd County line. Uh, out 106, close to Spa Lake, uh, and it it had it had the people's name and everything. It was a re- it's a really cool little place. Uh, I think it's called maybe um, oh I don't know. It was just raining one day. We were down there and we decided to go do it. I wish I could think of the name of it. It's called something like virtual reality or something like that. Uh, but it's a cool little museum type place. Hmm. I have to keep an eye for that. I usually like going to those places like yeah. that. Going to those and, places uh, like that. And uh, yeah. the, uh, the Octagon the, uh, house is having something going on. Recording. Uh, they're calling it the uh, oh. the novice hunt, where you go on a ghost hunt in in the inside the museum. So that's like their, yeah. It's not. It's not cheap. It's like fifty bucks per person. So I would. I won't be doing too soon. A lot of the Bigfoot stories I I picked up are from people who have like actually encountered um, Bigfoot. Uh, they've told me their story. Uh, other ones, but there was a program for Pathfinders back during the pre-COVID years, or where they met. And um, they had talked about um, uh, all the encounters in Kentucky. And they mentioned um, uh, all the ones that happened. So, like, I collected all of them. And uh, so it's up. And as I, I must just confess, I was really surprised because it's like I always, I always can't picture Bigfoot being like something, you know, far off, you know, like somewhere being like, you know, in like, in, in Oregon or somewhere like that, and so it's, it's or Canada. You know, I was was not expecting like any stories here, and they kind of opened my eyes about Bigfoot and ended up being like you know there's like Bigfoot everywhere. But, yeah, you and, know, uh, uh, definitely a lot more in in in, um, in someone in, we uh, used to work with. Um, a uh, Bigfoot hunter showed up at his house. Do you remember? Have you heard that? You remember this, Dave? It was in the Briggs Lake Vaguely, area. but I'm not sure and, uh, now. He came home one day, and he was like, have you seen anything? This guy was just in his driveway and was like, well, there's been there's been Bigfoot spottings here, and uh, we're investigating them. And, uh, I don't know. It was kind of cool. He told me uh, the story. Uh, his name is Mark also. Uh, but he told me the story about the guy being there, and he just he kind of brushed him off as like, whatever dude but 
he said that, that people were everywhere in that area for because somebody had had uh, had saw something there. Uh, and, you know, I had always heard about I, I had never heard about the uh, beast at Land Between the Lakes. And it's funny you mentioned that. I listened to a podcast called The Confessionals. And um, uh, recently, over the last month or so, a uh, a guy was on that, being interviewed by uh, Tony on that podcast. Uh, the guy that owns, or that does the podcast is named Tony Merkel. And he had a guy on there that was a former Robertson County, Tennessee deputy sheriff that had an a amazing experience with the uh, the beast from uh, Land Between the Lakes. Uh, and he really goes into detail about it. Damage to his vehicle. Uh, basically was told by park rangers to just, you be quiet and don't say anything that this happened. And uh, I don't know that it always seems like when somebody's telling a story, if they're law enforcement or something like that, I don't know why, but it seems to give them more credibility. And he was uh, a retired law enforcement officer. And it's an amazing story. I would suggest uh, uh, the confessionals is a, is a really good podcast that I listen to. And um, this guy, this guy had a good story. Uh, about what had happened to him. They, they were camping at Land Between the Lakes, and um, he had a, a big experience. So I had never heard that before, and then you mentioned it tonight, so it just rung a bell that, oh, wow, that, that's a more popular story than I thought it was. Oh, yeah, it's quite the, it's quite the legend. Um, I've seen, like, of um, illustrations people have made of it, um, I know one person who's kind of made a recording of it and he actually played it for me when he was out there at the land between the lakes wow. and it was quite a haunting sound. Pretty I have cool. to say, uh, it's, you know, it's cool. like, yeah, it was like a, it's like some animal like howling. It's not, it's a, has a very like, you know, almost like a, like yeah. a, an ape type sound to it. You know, it, it doesn't sound like anything, like just like a, a coyote would make. Yeah, it's like, you know, but it, it did send chills down the spine just hearing it. You know, it's like, it's cool. but he, uh, he had that recording of it. And he played it for for me and another friend and all that. It's really cool. And um, out of, uh, and there's also a werewolf story, supposedly in Hopkinsville. Uh, there was actually, it was, it was, it was, it was done as a, um, one of like, 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 like not so necessarily like a reality show, but kind of one of those shows where they reenact the events that happened to somebody. And, you know, there was like this trailer park in Hopkinsville uh, where like a werewolf is supposed to terrorize this one family. And um, Kurt Kanzler, who's one of the big, like, you know, uh, people who try to keep Hopkinsville weird, uh, posted on his, um, on his Facebook page about that. And um, that's how it, I first learned about it. It's, he was kind of suspicious of it because it seemed like just odd, you know, that this werewolf only terrorized this one family in this trailer park and no one else saw it. You know, because I mean, they're like, you know, side by side of other people. So it yeah, seemed like you know, somebody else was seeing something. But. Yeah. But, it, but 
But you never know. Maybe in a ghost fam. I mean, ghost werewolf or you something. Know, they firm um, saying right. we'll have bracelets made, and it's WWFMD. What would Fox Boulder do? So every situation I run into, I ask myself, <laughs> what would Fox Mulder do? I got reminded of that. So what, well, what would Fox Mulder do in that situation? You, um, Fox Mulder would say it's 100% real. You cannot discredit it. And you start investigating it. Uh, Right. You know, I, I was reminded of that bracelet today. I saw a WWJD, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to have those out, but it's going to be WWF, you know, FMD. <laughs> FMD. <laughs> Again, Mark, you gave me one of the best compliments I ever had in my life oh. today, uh, and you probably didn't even know you did it. It was on your podcast. Uh 30 plus minutes with H uh, P Lovecraft and David said, plugged this podcast on there. And you said, I think Danny's more like the Fox Mulder and you're more like the Scully and no one can ever describe me any better than that. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Right, well, yeah, yeah. That, but that is pretty true. No, but uh, if, you have, oh, if you get that bracelet made, yeah, let I'm me know. Going. I definitely would like to have one. Well, guys, yeah. uh, y'all want to wrap it, or what do you what do you think? Yeah, it's and been like hey, pretty. I think each, a pretty interesting show so far. But yeah, it's, we told you we would have an interviewee on here, and here he is. Mr. Mark Griffin. <laughs> yes, I, I'm honored to be the first one in the oh. interview on the show. No, that. So you know, I, I oh, Mark, Mark's very popular. He's been uh, he's appeared on numerous podcasts yeah. in the last uh, six months or so. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he's it, quite a podcasting spread celebrity. Spread yourself a little thin there, man. You know how yeah. it goes. You, you'll blow up and and then leave us in the dust. Uh, well, I, I doubt that ever happened, you know. But you know, but it'd be a nice to dream, you know. Be become so filthy rich, I forget my friends and everything. <laughs> develop a drinking problem, you know. Well, Mark, do you want to? Uh, if anybody wanted to, to reach out to you, contact you for any kind of cool information, do you want to? Do you want to leave some contact information behind for anybody or? Yeah, they can just um, contact me at the um, the Logan County Public Library. It's 270-726-6110. Or you can email me at mark, M-A-R-K, at loganlibrary.org. And uh, you can be one of those ways. Lovecraftpod.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever that, what is that address again for Lovecraft? David. Mark at lovecraftpod.com. Yeah, you, you can contact me there. All that. 
Did you get that email, David, from that one person? Which which um which one? It was a guy who oh, about the was it one do sound editing? No, that I yeah yeah I I forgot about it. I guess it came in over fall break, and I I read it, and then I just until you just mentioned it, I had forgotten it. I had uh, I had emailed back to him and you know <clears throat> told him that we we already have somebody doing it, but. I like to hear examples of his work and all that. And he sent me a link, but I'm still not exactly 100% certain he's, he's a real person. So I haven't clicked on it. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably like yeah, to it's, more it was hard to believe if it was legit or not. But Well, um, and all that, yeah. but you know, the bus did answer back, but I don't know if he's. I want to hit a few. Um... But he sent me something through. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, I was just going to say, he sent me something through, um, I forget what the name of that site was. Um, I need silicon. That was his, hmm. that's his site. You know, that, that such, struck me as such, such an odd name, you know. Yeah. And so that was, I didn't know what to make of that. So I've been, I've been suspicious of it. And so I have no idea if it's a real person or not. Well, um, anyway, but that's my spiel. Mark, I think we both want to thank you for being on the podcast, man. Uh, thank you. Uh, our first guest. Thank you for loved having you. May I, oh, no. may we'll I have, have any more? No, that did. I can we'll definitely have to have you back on. Uh, again, everybody, I want to plug. Uh, Sounds good. Plug the, these guys, Mark and Dave, is on that podcast as well. It is uh, 30 Minutes Plus with HP Lovecraft. Uh, that It's great. Uh, like me, I knew nothing about Lovecraft, and now I, I feel at least I can have somewhat of a conversation about him and not be completely in the dark. Um, remember, um, <laughs> whether you like this podcast or hate it, we would ask that you go and give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for sure, because that really moves us up the ladder <laughs> a little bit. Um, we want to. We want to thank. I'm just going to hit the countries that uh, instead of going out of the states since we just done this last week. But the United States is leading our downloads. We got United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, Kenya, and Philippines. So there's one person from Kenya that keeps on it, hitting us up, and uh, we appreciate that from everybody. Uh, also, you can get a hold of us at the Pattern is Full Podcast at gmail.com. And we're on social media everywhere. Just Pattern is Full Podcast. Facebook, X, and Instagram. And what's that other thing? We're on TikTok. TikTok. We're on TikTok, too. So, Mark, thank you. And um, the Pattern is Full. 
Thank you. Signing off. I enjoyed it. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Pattern is Full, where we explore the unknown and mysterious phenomenon of our world. We hope you enjoyed this episode and your mind has been opened to the hidden patterns in this universe. Be sure to tune in next time as we dive deeper into the unknown. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your support helps us continue to uncover the mysteries of our world. Until next time, keep an open mind and keep searching for the patterns in our world. The Pattern is Full is signing off.